0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice.
1: Welcome to Emerging Headliner, powered by Source Elements. Today we're welcoming singer-songwriter Greta Ray onto the show. So, welcome, Greta. How are you today? Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And did you say, um, when we were talking off air just now, are you uh, writing camp? Or did you say riding camp? I didn't catch that. I'm <laughs> a Oh, that would be interesting. No, I'm at a writing camp. I'm writing
0: songs. Okay. I'm in New South Wales, which is in Australia. And um, yeah, I'm away with a bunch of friends who are very talented and amazing songwriters and producers. And um, every day this week, we all get put into different rooms. There are multiple studios here. Um, yeah. And we just kind of get to look at this incredible scenery as we write, which is very inspiring.
1: Yeah, I'll bet. I can only imagine. And do you do a lot of these writing camps?
0: Um, I haven't done a writing camp quite like this one before. I have done a few. Um, There's this organisation called Afra that I um, collaborate with quite a bit. Um, And I actually curated one of their writing camps recently. They refer to them often as song hubs. So I've done a song hubs in Nashville um, and we just ran one in Melbourne. And, um, yeah, this isn't specifically a Song Hubs, but, um, yeah, I I have done a few. I'm very lucky.
1: Okay. They sound pretty intense. Are they nerve-wracking or do you just take it in your stride? Are you just totally used to it?
0: Um, I think, well, this one, you know, I know a lot of the writers already, um, like we're already friends or we've worked together before or something. So it's it's very community-based and it's very friendly and relaxed, uh, this one, in that sense. So that's really good um but at the same time I think there's equally like more pressure just because I am such a huge huge fan of everyone's work like I know everyone's music really well so you know there have been times that I've gotten into a room (laughs) in this camp and been like oh my gosh I've wanted to write with that person for so long pressure's on you know like um so yeah it's definitely been it's been very interesting but I I wouldn't say like I think they're all like writing with other writers that you admire is always a little bit daunting but like overall it's just so much more rewarding and you learn so much about yourself as a writer. And, yeah, so it's a very good challenge, I think.
1: Okay, yeah, sounds like a good one and worth well, challenging, which is the point, I guess. Um, so what about um, in terms of were you in quite a musical household when you grew up? Were you surrounded by music from a young age? Yeah,
0: yes, I absolutely was. Um, I grew up with a very musical uh, extended family, um, particularly on my dad's side. Um, all of my cousins played instruments and or sung and um, so yeah music was a big part of my life growing up and in my immediate family like my mum's a singer and um, you know we was always singing around the house and playing a lot of really amazing records as well so I grew up kind of listening to a lot of wonderful singer songwriters like Joni and James Taylor and Paul Simon and yeah so it's very very close to me and always has been.
1: Okay, yeah, I can tell. And what about your influences? So who are you into now? Who are you liking at the moment? Oh, gosh, Uh, my influences now. Um, You know,
0: I would say I feel like I am kind of engaged with, like, lots of different sounding pop at the moment. Like, I'm pretty open to listening to anything. Like, obviously, I'm probably more drawn to, like, female-driven like pop songwriting I would say um like I love Dua Lipa's record I love all the Ariana Grande records like mm-hmm. and I think you know I feel like I like wouldn't make music like that usually but I'm letting it inspire the music I'm making in a really big way like I just am so floored by those kinds of artists and I think they're like insanely hardworking and I love the challenge that is trying to nail the formula of a pop song. Um, That's not been something that I've always tried to follow, but like with, you know, my new project, that's been something I've definitely wanted to get closer to and learn more about. And so I think looking at those kind of like big pop artists, like especially just because they're such stunning performers as Mm -hmm. well um, and they just have these really aesthetically pleasing, organised, strong projects that are only getting better and better. Like, yeah, I think I'm really into tuning into those kind of artists at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, they're just phenomenal examples you gave there. Um, So, yeah, why wouldn't you look look up to them? I think we all do. Um, What about in the last year? What's that been like for you? Just did you have all your plans kind of turned upside down? What have you been up to over the last year?
0: Yeah, uh, yes, like everyone, my plans did change quite a lot. Um, I was supposed to start releasing music midway through 2020, um, but I didn't do that. I was living in the UK at the beginning of the year as well. Uh, Cut that trip short. Uh, like a lot shorter than I imagine. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I came home. I went into isolation. Um, and then I managed to like skip the mandatory hotel quarantine, which was like so, so lucky. Oh, nice. um, well but I did, I fight at my house for two weeks and then pretty much just got straight back into writing. I think that like, you know, creatives, especially like being in sessions every other day, like we were just so Desperate to keep collaborating. So I got into all of the like Zoom co writing sessions and some worked and some didn't. And, you know, that whole Zoom co writing thing was a journey (laughs) for many of us. Um, And so, yeah, and then I just planned and planned and planned what I was going to do when we would eventually come out of lockdown. And it kind of was, it was great in a way because I think what comes with like having all of that extra time was that we just kind of went into this deep dive. I couldn't have imagined like even going further into it than we already were. And then I feel like the conversations that we had just got so much more thorough. And then we had this really, you know, solid campaign idea. And I got to build a lot of my creative team over Zoom. Like I met my, you know, designers for the cover art of my releases over Zoom and got to meet all of them. My stylist, like I got to have these conversations to just like intensely prepare for what would happen when eventually things would go back to some kind of normal which thankfully considering like I'm in Australia right now and we're you know one of the only places that things seem yeah relatively normal.
1: I know so, it's really nice from um, our side to see everything over there um I don't know if it's as accurate as you know I've got some cousins in Australia it looks like um kind of back to normal they're in bars you know restaurants they're uh, socializing outside so it's just really nice to see mm. light at the end of the tunnel even if it is on the other side of the world so um whatever you're doing over there keep yeah. it up good work um, oh, thank you thank <laughs> it gives you so well, I mean
0: oh, yes no I'm sure I mean it's so interesting because you know my my management are over in the UK and that was a big part of why I was located there like at the beginning of last year and um mm-hmm. so it's very strange now because I think there was a period of time where Melbourne which is where I'm from like Melbourne was very intensely in lockdown for a long time because we had this very like intense commitment to getting rid of the second wave um and at that point the UK wasn't in as intensive a lockdown so and now it's it's switched so it's been really interesting in terms of just like
1: yeah um have you got into any you know hobbies over the last year I know a lot of people have taken up all kinds of things from baking to puzzles and you know have you got into any tv Mm. over the last year any guilty pleasure tv over there
0: oh um have i gotten into any hobbies um i did i uh i mean i don't think one would probably categorize this as a hobby um but i did just read a lot more than i used to make time to do Mm -hmm. i guess so i read a lot more books and i got into that um I started painting again, which I hadn't done in a really long time. I was crocheting for a bit. I was doing a little bit of baking here and there. Um, And I was doing a lot of creative writing. That was probably like the biggest change that I made, I think. Um, And that's become like more prominent in just my day-to-day life now. Um, There's Mm. this amazing book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way that encourages this practice called Morning Pages, um, which is where you get up every morning and you write like three stream of consciousness style Pages first thing before you do anything else. And, you know, my relationship with creative writing is at the moment like purely in, well, I mean, for a long time it was purely associated with my artist project. And I think something that was a big shift for me while we were in lockdown for so long in Melbourne was just being able to draw, like to differentiate between my artist project, which is also my job now, and my creative self outside of that. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, doing all of those kinds of activities and spending time creative writing in that other separate area was like really helpful for me as a creative overall i think
1: oh nice that's great that you've used the time like that um i've just remembered as well okay. i have to ask you about this i don't know if you're aware of this but because in the uk we've literally got nothing to do but watch tv do you know that everyone's become absolutely obsessed over here with married at first sight australia season six it's i'm really i can't so explain like, it. sorry to hear this yeah i'm, I'm sorry. so sorry i'm sorry to say i've watched it's it all horrible. i don't know what's happened to me
0: it's horrible it's horrible like I I just I I do know about the fact that it's gone over to the UK I have seen things about it but like I mean it's crazy it's it's mental I can't but I feel like maybe with that kind of show it was like considering just like how appalling the behavior of like the majority of contestants is you want like maybe one or two seasons and then like never ever speak of it again Mm. like please don't keep going but they've kept going and I'm like oh stop like please stop
1: Oh, they won't um, stop but, now, yeah, so now you, that they know the UK is desperate enough to watch it. Oh, my gosh, totally. I mean, what do you think of it if
0: you to watch oh all God, of it?
1: I, I've never watched anything like this in my life. My friends kept um, – I kept hearing stuff about it on even Radio 1. They, the DJs were talking about it. I was like, what is this trash? I'm never going to watch this. A couple of my best friends messaged me about it, like, you need to watch this. I was like, pfft. Well, I'm like, desperate. And I put one on. I was like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." I'll just watch the next one. Oh my god! I swear, there's about a thousand episodes of it. I found myself watching every single one of them. I don't know what's happened to me. I think I need to take some time. I think I need to go outside. That's what I need to do. I need to have a word with myself, Greta.
2: Oh
0: my gosh! No, look, you're in a very tricky spot over there right now. If there's yes, any thank time, you. like people actually watch this for their own leisure when not in lockdown, so you know that just think about that. That will make you feel better.
1: I wanted to know as well about you. Um, was it always music for you, even as a child or as a young person? Did you always, were you quite focused on that and you knew that's what you wanted to do going forward?
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, music was always the plan. Um, I don't feel like I'm I really, ha- there maybe, no, I don't think there was only a time where I thought to do anything else. I loved um, singing and dancing equally for a period as a child um but i mean it was always pretty clearly the path that i was going to go down or just like being some kind of um i don't know either a writer of some kind or an entertainer of some kind you know like it was mm-hmm. always something that i was interested in and i just loved to sing like as a kid like just for pleasure which i you know still do now like my favorite thing is just to like put on a song in the car that i love and just sing at the top of my lungs and like every now and then like when i don't know things in work at like with the artist project and stuff's getting hectic like you know and stuff can build up and it's all really exciting and wonderful but like every now and then I'll just have moments of being like oh I really just want to sing like you know mm. you kind of have to remind yourself that like that's actually the roots of everything which is good because like you know sooner or later I will be able to come back to that in terms of like playing live shows again which is really really amazing and I'm super stoked about that being a thing mm. um But, yeah, I mean, songwriting was something that kind of came into my life uh, when I was about seven. So I don't really know a time without this,
2: yeah.
1: Mm, Okay. And uh, what was – speaking of live music, uh, what was your last gig you played? Did you say you were in the UK and then you had to come back?
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh, my goodness, the last gig that I played. Well, now, actually, the last gig that I played, uh, it wasn't one of my own, but I did jump up and sing with a friend of mine at one of his shows in Melbourne um And people were still like wearing masks, but they were able to come to a show, and it was unbelievably surreal to like be on stage and look into those lights and hear a voice through monitors and mm. and sing into a mic. Like it was just, it was I was so overwhelmed by all of the. It was so, it was almost nostalgic in a way, like the smell of the venue and like all of these things. I was like, wow, I can't believe that we you know we're living in a time where this is just not that much of a thing. You know, it's crazy. Mm. Um, but my last gig, uh, I was opening for Gang of Youths, who are an Australian band, who are based in the UK. Um, and we did a show at um, O'Meara uh, in London. Uh, and I, yeah, supported. And then, yeah, COVID hit. And, and that was here that. we are. Yeah.
1: And what that about you? That? Um... that was
0: probably a year ago, maybe a year and two weeks ago, I reckon.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because everything shut down. It was about a year ago because it's coming up to my mom's birthday and I even know she was really pissed off because we had to cancel everything at <laughs> her birthdays today. So, no. yeah, it must be. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it must be a year, exactly almost. That's crazy how quickly or slowly, I don't even know, both of those it seems to have gone, doesn't it? Yeah. Crazy. And oh um, What about live events in Australia? Because I've seen... Things popping up here and there. Are you allowed to do any live gigs at the moment with um, people wearing masks or is that not the case yet?
0: Uh, It is the case, actually. Um, I have been to a gig very recently, this amazing artist in Australia called Maya. Um, She's doing a little mini tour at the moment. And, yeah, I was at a gig where people were standing and singing. Wow. (laughs) Um, I hate to be saying this
1: to you. but It's fine. It's fine. It gives Uh, us hope. We love it. (laughs)
0: yeah i mean that is true it does still exist and it will come back and it, it was very nice to see that and to believe that you're be like wow okay we, we made it i guess um but uh yeah no there are definitely there are live shows happening i'm pretty sure there was just another restriction relaxed in melbourne or there will be in a couple of days like yeah they're happening i don't you know we, we've been having a lot of um quite spaced out shows like filling out larger venues like there's this one venue in Melbourne called the City of My Music Bowl there's been a lot of gigs that I've seen happening there but people are in like little pods or more spaced out and it's just not as packed as you know we can't really do full capacity I mean no I can but yeah so um it's 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 back it's up and running um over here so I'm I'm really hoping that once we're kind of deep into the campaign and you know maybe there's a couple more songs out you know I I'd really really love to revisit that space and I mean I have a lot of new music that I need to teach my band Um, Mm. but we're really looking forward to being able to do that again for sure.
1: Yeah, I'll bet. I can only imagine. It's been so long. Um, And Mm. just for a bit of history, I was looking looking into your past with your music. So you won the Triple J Unearthed High and the uh, Vander and Young Songwriting Award when you were just 18 for your hit drive. So that obviously did so well for you. What are your memories of this and how did that song change your life or your career? Um that period
0: of time in my life, uh, my memories that, you know, things that come to mind were definitely that there was just a lot going on, a lot of different things. So while there was a lot of attention on that song and the excitement that it was causing, um, I was also on tour with a friend of mine, his artist's name is Japanese Wallpaper. Um, so I was in his band. I was a backing vocalist and keyboard player. So we were wrapping up a tour that I had decided to do in the middle of my final year of high school while preparing for exams and finishing essays and assignments and all those kinds of things. Um, Yeah, and then Tripodayana Thai happened. And um, yeah, I just kind of remember, I didn't, I I was so happy that people were liking the song. I was so excited that people were celebrating it. And I, yeah, it was a very happy period. But at the same time, I definitely was trying to make sure I was staying grounded, having lots of conversations with My mom and my manager at the time, Charlotte, she was, you know, incredibly helpful and she was on ground in Melbourne. So I had people to lean on. I had people to support me through all of that, you know, and I just, I really wanted to do well in school. Um, I really wanted to finish off the year well because all of the subjects that I had chosen for my final year of school were subjects that would contribute to my musicianship or being a good writer like literature and I did a subject called music investigations. Like I was really, you know, I'm so lucky to be able to be educated, you know, and to go to the school that I went to that championed the arts. And yeah, so I just wanted to stay focused within that world. And so probably my favorite memories of that time, are little kind of collisions of worlds where I would be finishing a literature essay in a hotel room. And then five minutes later, I would go down the road and play a show with Japanese wallpaper to 500 people, come back to the hotel, send the essay. You know, stuff like that. Like, those are really precious, precious memories to me, for sure. It was a very exciting time that I'm so grateful happened.
1: Mm. And tell me about the inspiration behind the song Drive, because obviously I'm guessing you wrote that either when you were 18 or maybe even before then, so when you were quite young. And did you, mm. did you ever have an idea that it would do as well as it did and, or resonate with people so much?
0: Um, yeah, I wrote Drive when I was 17. Um, no, no didn't really imagine how it would resonate with people. That was a very pure time in my life where those kind of thoughts weren't a thing. You don't write songs for the sake of being like, I wonder what people would think of this. And then I think once there's a little bit of attention surrounding your artist project, which is amazing, then you're like, oh, I, I wonder like if people will like this, you know, like a, a, an audience that I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I kind of wasn't really thinking about those things, I guess. So I just wrote that song for the sake of just wanting to write this joyous anthem about unrequited love and wanting to kind of just get really deep in my feels and like celebrate that, I guess. Um, Yeah. So I guess, I don't know, I had been thinking, it's been so long since I've spoken about this actually, but I was fixating on, I guess, like, you know, I think that the space of the car can be a very like, I mean, you know, if you're with someone that you're interested in in that way, it can be a very romantic space, but it's also a very like confessional space. Like, I found that, like, you know, even conversations with my parents, like, we'll park the car and speak in the car for hours. Like, that's such a classic thing. And I feel like there's something about that little bubble of being in a car that when you're with someone who's, you know, someone that you want to be a romantic partner or something, that it is, yeah, very sacred getting to go on long drives with that person. So I was, like, fixated on that at the time. This is so long ago. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I wanted to just play around with that idea in song, I guess. And, um just champion the fact that you know I was writing this little imaginative fairy tale about this person in my head and um yeah that's kind of the inspiration behind the song and then when we got to produce it it was just the best time ever and I feel like the way that the song moves structurally and the chords and the way that the band played on that song the way that it was produced like I just had so much fun in the studio with that because everyone loved it so much and I think that you know, what makes this so worthwhile as something to do is being able to, you know, I wrote Drive by myself. Pretty much I had a little bit of help towards the end with tweaking up some things, but, you know, bringing that to a group of people and then being like, how are we going to make this amazing and what's it going to do and how's it going to travel and where's it going to take you? And I, I just love that that's the song that kind of started everything because it really was such a beautiful experience making it from like right from the beginning.
1: Mm, an interesting concept with the car. I haven't actually thought about that before. You're right, there is something about being in a car journey with people, I suppose, hopefully for the person driving, you're not looking at a phone. You know, you're actually, you can't really do much apart from listen or talk. So that's that's quite a nice concept exactly. there, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and I know your first release of this year. So this is quite a cool concept as well. Completely different though, obviously. Uh-huh. So um, duology. So two songs joined in theme, but creatively distinct issued as a pair. So um, where did you yes. first get the idea for this?
0: Um, I first got the idea for this because I, um, was it was when I was on tour? Um, I was touring my last body of work release. Uh, there was an EP called Here and Now. There were two songs that I released, both like as singles, called Radio Silence and Time. Uh, both of those songs were about the same situation. One was a really like devastating perspective on a breakup. You know, just being so guilty, so sad. Um, yeah, really leaning into that feeling. And then time was like this melancholic, but like optimistic, reflective, kind of celebrating the fact that the relationship had happened at all kind of tone. So, um, yeah, I used to refer to those songs as sister songs when I would perform them. I would always perform them one after the other on stage. And I kind of was thinking about that concept of sister songs going into writing new music. And um, I kind of realized after a while that as I was gathering a lot of new songs, even though I was writing them differently, I was co-writing this time, I was writing them with other people. There were those little hidden pairs amongst the collection of all of my new music. And so I just kind of, yeah, realized that that was a habit that I had. And I think that that is because when I decide that I feel a certain way about a thing or I want to figure out how I feel about a thing, like I just go straight to songwriting to figure it out. You, there's this line that um, Taylor Swift said at some like recent time event um where she says like you can turn your lessons into legacy and that's I just have like such a strong pull to do that but because I'm in my early 20s (laughs) I like change my mind about things a lot um I yeah guess I would kind of say one thing and then whether it was a couple of months or like a week later I'd be like actually no I changed my mind and I have an entirely different perspective on how (laughs) I feel and then I would write it again and often there would be like even lyric parallels between the songs and like you can write dozens of songs about one situation or one person, but they're just, I don't know, for some reason just these very specific pairs were coming out of what I was doing. Um, Yeah. And then I kind of just, you know, focused on that and just wanted to kind of give that concept a different name. And I went with geologies and yeah, that's how I will be releasing new music for the next little while, which is cool because I think it just gives me an opportunity to talk more about the stories behind the songs which yeah. I really love, and also just, like, gives me permission to be a chaotic Gemini that cannot make a decision about anything. <laughs> okay. And the wise yeah.
1: words of Britney Spears, it's your prerogative. You can, it's your art, isn't it? You can do what you want. Exactly. That is true.
2: <laughs> Let's start with um, Bigger Than Me, then. My house is a hotel room in the inner city of a place I don't know well, but I'm shown the road. To try to tame the vertigo, morning is a runway, speed 30,000 feet, I'm living sky high, Onto the next thing and so it goes. I entertain rest but I don't, when you think like you dream, nothing's an impossibility. What's the story
1: behind this track, what inspired this one? Bigger Than Me was inspired
0: by many things is inspired by a bus trip to a studio where the session that we wrote the song I was listening to I heard it in um sorry I was listening to heard it in a past life which is that incredible Maggie Rogers record which was still kind of new at the time so I was obsessed with that record I was obsessed with how she spoke about her relationship with her music career and how she was able to celebrate it but also reflect on maybe the not so easy parts of it in a way that wasn't whingy wasn't self centered. It was just gracious and wonderful and perfect. So I was very inspired by that. I was also reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is just this beautiful book with this incredible outlook on seeing creativity as this like outer force that we're all kind of merely vessels for, I suppose. um There's this like, yeah, supernatural slash magic thing. And I was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel about it. That's how I relate to it. So I was obsessed with Maggie. I was obsessed with that book. And I went into this session with my friend Ned and my friend Dylan, and I hadn't worked with Dylan before. And um, we were like, what should we write about today? And basically we just got to a point where we decided we were going to write about art. Um, Ned had also just watched an Elizabeth Gilbert TED talk on the same thing. So that was a nice coincidence. And, um, yeah, we just had all of these ideas about what it means to be a creative, and they're both incredibly hard workers I've met a lot of really, really wonderful people as I've kind of like gone headfirst into co-writing and we spent 12 hours in the studio just writing about how, you know, that kind of creative force can just have such a, it can hold you hostage and it's just with you all the time. You're trying to find it all the time. It You know, you follow its lead. And to write a song about that with the creative force in the room with you is just, I think Dylan said to me, he was like, This is the closest I've ever been to believing in the high power. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Which I was like, well, that's awesome for you, man. Um, Yeah, no, it was a great session. And yeah, um, that's kind of what inspired it. And I've literally been waiting like two years since for people to hear it. So it, yeah, it came out like a little bit over the two-year anniversary of that session. So that's the story behind Bigger Than Me. And I've kind of just felt like that about creativity my whole life. Um, And with the music video, we kind of got to dig into that concept, but then also bring in this idea, another thing, which I just really strongly believe in, which is just like how much of a joy it is to share that feeling with a group of creative collaborators. And I've been able to do that throughout my whole life, where like it's been something that I've done in community choirs or like dance groups or vocal groups in high school. Like I've always had my little creative groups to retreat to and to learn from and to just, yeah, make magical things with. And I'm so lucky that I've just spent my whole life doing that. So I really wanted the music video to reflect that idea of collaboration, of learning from people and them learning from you and return and, yeah, how special that is. So that's basically the story behind um, behind Bigger Than Me. Yeah.
1: Mm, okay. The music video looks so much fun as well. So what are you chucking around there? Is it all paint and stuff like that?
0: <laughs> yeah. That looks yeah, good. Was Whose idea was that? <laughs> Mine. well, it was kind of like a combination. I basically like I wrote the brief of that video a billion times in lockdown, and eventually we were able to execute one that was COVID, like safe, you know, considering what the restrictions were like here in Australia and um yeah, sent it through to Josh Harris and he sent me back like his version of my brief, I guess it was a collaboration between the two of us and um yeah the paint thing was just something that was just there initially I loved the idea of like getting creatively messy in that sense I love the metaphor of the fact that the paint is like you know all of the kids just like putting paint all over themselves kind of like just splashing themselves head to toe in creativity like that was kind of the idea that that was my interpretation of it anyway um so and we had one take to do that and they did so well I love that cast more than I can describe mm. it was a very long day it was so hot like and they just did so well um so yeah
1: um yeah and it looked like so much fun because I was just thinking where as an adult or even as a kid are you allowed to go where you can just throw paint at <laughs> each other nowhere the only time I've done that is when I went to um India and they had that holy festival and obviously it's not that novel for them but for us ah, we were just like yeah, tourists yeah. living it up but yeah so much fun and I loved watching your video because I, I know how fun that is <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, they had a great time. Also, they were
0: a million degrees by that point because they'd been dancing all day and like there was no airflow in that room Mm -hmm. and the paint was cold and I have like a video (laughs) on my phone of like just someone was filming like all of the kids because they would, the paint was in jars like out of frame and they would get it poured into their hands and then kind of rub it on themselves and return to being, you know, in the lens and their little faces, like when they got paint poured into their hands, just their eyes just light up. They're like, "Wow, it's so
2: cold! Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Uh, um, but crazy. yeah, it was a great day. Hold me close and keep me in your warmth. Show the ropes when living leaves me scorned. Greet me at the door. Saying you'll be my safest place to fall Wrap me in a sense of sweet relief Rid me of despair and disbelief Know you're all that I need When I am down and out When bruised or bleeding Tell me you'll take
1: On the flip side, so Readymade was four months after um, Bigger Than Me and was written with mm. Duncan Boyce in London. So this is more intimate, yeah. reflective tone. Um, so tell me about yes. this one. Um, okay,
0: with Readymade, uh, basically that concept came about um, from a couple of things, really. I think I have a lot of moments in this line of work or you know kind of yeah sharing my music with people and you know like creatively collaborating and it just yeah being in this industry where you know it feels pretty crowded and it feels pretty busy and most of the time that's really really exciting but like I often have moments where I'll be like oh actually I think at the end of everything like you only have you right now you know like you really have to have a really great relationship with yourself and your own creative self like throughout this process like there's it's I'm really fortunate to have a lot of wonderful people to lean on and to learn from but also I need to be strong in my sense of self and I think what I'm I'm lucky to have is like a strong sense of my creative self um and I always have had that and that's amazing and I'm very very grateful that I have that so I was thinking about that and I was in London I was doing a lot of co-writing sessions and things were pretty chaotic and I would come home and the place that I was staying, like the living room was filled with instruments, like there were guitars and there was an organ and it was a very inspiring, like eerie space. And I would come home and it would just be like me and the instruments again, you know, no co-writers, no labels, no meetings, you know, just me and the organ and I'm just singing around the apartment, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what remains when everything is stripped away. It's like that post-show feeling where you have like the ringing in your ears after being on stage or being at a gig and you're just in the hotel room alone. Like it's just, it's so weird, like how different that is, like the duality of those two things. And so I was just thinking a lot about that and wanting to write a song about how coming home to that space, coming home to just the music, to just your creative self, like, I wanted to write a song that was, like, describing that comfort as the same kind of comfort that maybe one would reflect on when, like, coming home to a partner, like a long-term partner or something. You know, I think that it could be interpreted that way if people didn't know what the song was about. But, yeah, um, I also just, like, kind of, it, it's, it stemmed from that lyric in um, Lord's song, Liability, where she says, um, I'll go home into the arms of the girl that I love, the only love I haven't screwed up. Again, like this is solely my interpretation, but I always heard that as like she is talking about her creative self. She is retreating mm-hmm. to, yeah, that her artist self because that whole record, it's got songs like Brighter in the Dark and stuff. Like, yeah. So then I, I wrote about that and, yeah, that's the story behind Ready Made. And I wrote it with lovely Duncan, who is the best, and it was a very different experience in that studio you know, bigger than me. It was summer in Australia. It was full, high energy, lots of laughs and chats. And, you know, it was a big day. This was a snug little studio in London in the middle of winter. And I was just like, yeah, having a great time.
1: Oh, well, fantastic. I love to hear that. And I think that is a lovely positive note to end on. So I will let you get back to your writing camp. So thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs)
0: Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, I'm hoping that this audio has been, for the most part, okay.
1: Um, (laughs) We will work with it. We will work with it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, it was really good to chat to you. And you too. All right. Have a great day then. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye. bye.
0: Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.